Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Today I have a special guest. Her name is Judy Dang. She is my West Coast doppelganger. We're going to talk about that. Such fun. Judy is all about helping clients get through the messy middle so they reach the finish line. Instead of starting 57 ideas and never finishing them, clients learn to cut through the noise and focus on priorities that drive business forward. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited. I'm so glad to be with you, sis. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. We're, we're productivity sisters from another mother. For sure. So I want to start with the definition of productivity because I was reading things you've written and one of the themes that I'm talking about all the time recently is this power in the pause and that we can be more productive when we step back and we take care of ourselves, when we rest, when we exercise, when we unplug. And you talk, and you can tell me I'm wrong, that we need to redefine our, redefine our definition <laughs> of our productivity so that it's not always so much about being on the go and what we accomplish and more about how we're being and where we're focusing our energy on. So I think either way, we're both kind of talking about the same thing, which is we're not broken, we're enough. We are okay. defined yeah. by our productivity. So yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and see if I'm kind of on the right track of what you're thinking. Okay, the power of the pause. I call it slow down to speed up. There you go. Slow down to speed up. That's my version of the, the pause for sure. Because, you know, productivity started as a study in a factory, right? And we still take those ideas to a human body that has limits, brain body health limits and we're not a machine so redefining productivity for me is human-centric body focus like eight hours nobody does eight hours of pure work we go to the office we make coffee we chat with our neighbors we check email really I've, I've seen studies that say if you could do four hours of solid work that's amazing so uh, redefining work productivity in terms of outcomes instead of hours. Right. I agree right. with that. I think there's also something about when we're in the office, there's time where we're connecting and it could be very informal. And those connecting times are just as valuable as the output we, re we get from our inputs, you know, that very traditional 
uh, view of productivity, when we're connecting, and let's talk about us. We connected because you saw Mike Wolpert's What's Next, and I was being interviewed. And then next thing you know, we're chatting, and I'm on your experts on call. Did I say that right? Okay, yes. good. I've been on so many programs recently, I suddenly had a moment of, oh my God, is this the right program? And so I had this blasting on experts on call, which then led to me saying, come on my podcast. And who knows where this goes next? You know, one of the things we're talking about is collaborating. So that's working. I, I have an idea. I have an idea. It wasn't working, but it's working, right? Okay, this is our collaboration, all right? Rewriting the book on productivity. Oh. Re- re- no, no, no. Rewriting the rule book on productivity. That could be super fun. Rewriting. I would love that. We have to think about how we're going to do that. Because is it a book? Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Because if we're rewriting the rule book, maybe we're rewriting even how one writes. Oh. (laughs) That sounded a little out there. (laughs) Yes. Guys, I was talking to a book editor last week, and she said, there are too many books out there. Too many books. Reconsider, does your book need to be in a book form? So Mm -hmm. maybe we can talk about that later. Well, exactly. And it's interesting because when I was giving a presentation uh, to the ACES conference yesterday, I was asked, what books do you recommend on productivity? And I'm thinking, well, I really just recommend you to work with me. (laughs) What do you need a book for? But whatever. Okay. And I don't mean that meanly, but I mean, it's just... There's so many great books written out there. I was able to immediately rattle off three, then was followed up with the audience by another one. And then today in going back and making sure people had the list of the books, I came up with yet another one. Well, five books. And I think what's so interesting about what we do is we don't look at productivity as our format and our exact message and our exact structure, and you have to do it our way. Mm. We're very um, individualized in our approach to our clients. And so I kind of take ideas from other people with attribution, of course, saying this came from getting things done by David Allen or wherever and say, in this instance, Judy, pretend you're my client. I can really see how this idea from getting things done could help you. Uh, I'll give you an example. I have a client who is absolutely paper planner, will not switch. She loves planning on paper. Another client who told me there's no way she's ever switching from paper, who had said to me, I'm going to try Asana because I use Asana. I am not thinking about using Trello. Ironically, she says to me, I guess we can learn Trello together because I've decided to start using it. And I'm saying, wait, wait, you're this paper planner gal. So how cool is it to grow with our clients and to see them grow and have that opportunity? Doesn't that just rock your world? So you're talking about no cookie cutter approach. Yes, because I've I've tried most of the productivity books out there. You know, David Allen's Getting Things Done, several from other authors I can't name right now. And I get frustrated. Right. I get frustrated in the book because it's like, no, this doesn't work for me. Or I've tried this or what? Uh, So I'm with you on that, like pulling various sources, just like with interior design, which is what we have in common, right? You're not going to buy a box or you're not going to go buy a, a showroom and just plop it into your house. 
Right. And, it, and it's interesting because I do want to talk about that interior design concept. I design my office one way, and anyone who's watching this on video and not the podcast can actually see Judy's backdrop in her office, which is legit her office, and the backdrop in my office, which is legit my office. And the reason I bring this up is there are virtual backgrounds, and they are a godsend. Uh, we have two very different design styles. Yours is sort of more modern. I'm actually leaning towards more modern, but this is still a holdout in some ways of being a little more traditional because my mom gave me this beautiful, I don't know what kind of piece of furniture you would call it, really a console. Oh. And it, there was nowhere else for it to go in the house. And it's just really what would traditionally be in, say, a front entryway or a dining room. But it fits perfectly in my home office because it's very narrow. It's not very deep. I see it. Yeah. Perfect size for magazine holders, yeah. which is a way a lot of pilers like to see their paperwork. Yes. You know, it's a good filing system for pilers, and I am a piler. I'm highly visual. But it's yes. the perfect depth for that. So my magazine holders are all put away neatly in my console. Oh. And it's not a traditional piece of office furniture. And I think that's the beauty of coming at productivity from a design background is we can kind of see things in a different way than I think other productivity consultants can see. And not that what they see is invalid because of course not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we have a different approach to it. And I think it's a very highly visual and highly creative approach. I'm super visual. I got to show you something. Let me, let me grab it. Something really fun. Okay. You know how we have gratitude journals and gratitude lists. Okay. This yes. Is not, this is, this is a productivity tool for me because we're going to talk about that sense of enoughness that right. we're going to talk about later. But this is my enoughness tool. So I have four buckets. The first bucket is how I feel my bucket and then how I feel others' bucket. <gasps> and then how others feel my bucket. And then the final one is just proud moments. Oh, I love this. So it's my bucket poster. It's a different bucket poster. Well, what I like about it is it isn't just your sort of typical bucket list. No, no. I'm going to do these list. things before I die list, no, which no nothing wrong up. with those either. I definitely have a list of those. I don't have them written down. It's a mashup between a bucket list and a gratitude journal. So I have two gratitude practices. The first one is I write in a gratitude journal and I write just five things that I'm grateful for every day. And when I started this practice, it was really hard because I just didn't know what to write. And I'm oh. talking five, six, however many years ago when I started it. And so when I first started writing, it was things like, I have a roof over my head. I have a job. Uh, we have electricity. We have running water. It's sunny today. You know, now it's much more, who did I get to talk to? What interesting uh, thing did I learn today? Uh, uh, what connection did I make? Uh, um, Maybe it's something very detailed about the fact that I was on this really special phone call this afternoon and saw a swallowtail butterfly and Ooh. shared it with group because it was such an amazing moment. And, and I think closely aligned with gratitude is grace. And grace gets into that enoughness. We're going to tie this right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you a little bit of a story about my growing up. Being Vietnamese, Asian, my household and my family, um, and bringing home an A minus was a no no. 
one time I brought my uh, report card home to my dad for my dad to sign. He looked at it and he said, what is this? A minus. Why is it an A plus? Mm. So that's the environment I grew up in. And it definitely took a toll. Yeah. And so I'm very cognizant of the sense of enoughness that there's, I, I have this analogy of when I didn't feel enough, it was like, it felt like climbing a ladder with no end mm. with a backpack full of rocks. Oh, goodness. I, hustling, striving. So I'm very cognizant of that with my productivity coaching because I'm, I am aware that I don't want folks to feel like I'm, the, I'm pushing them to you know, fulfill my expectations or they're not good enough unless they meet their goals. Right. So I'm very sensitive about that sense of enough. What do you think? What's your sense I think of there's no shooting in productivity coaching. <laughs> we shouldn't shoot on ourselves. Okay. <laughs> and in, when I am working with my group now, and we're going to talk about your group, uh, working with my group now, I have asked them to provide me with three goals for the next three months. And two of them can be business work related. And the third one has to be something in the area of self-care. And that could be, I'm going to start a gratitude journal. I'm going to have a five-minute morning meditation practice. I'm going to make sure that I move my body every day and get some exercise. I'm going to take weekends off for the first time in forever in a day because I realize I need to unplug. Whatever it might look like and what they're finding is they're not as exhausted. I can really go, go, go all day if I've made sure to put my oxygen mask on first. For sure. My favorite expression, put your oxygen mask on first. For sure. And tell me about your sense of enoughness. I grew up with mostly self-pressure where I felt it was important that I had to do very, very well. And I was constantly striving. Uh, I have a dad who was a high mucky muck in Wall Street. God bless him. I went into the family business, not literally. Uh, My father, my father, my brother used to joke that I was the firstborn son, which isn't true because I'm the firstborn daughter. And I think when I finally stepped into my creative side and into interior design school, the gift was I kind of found my feminine. I had been really operating in my masculine all through Wall Street, and I had lost a piece of myself. I'd kind of walled it off. And when I went to design school, which was a major deal because uh, my dad had just finished paying for an MBA, (laughs) and he was like, what the heck are you doing creating your own design business? And I said, dad, you know, a whole bunch of my classes were entrepreneurship classes. (laughs) Did you happen to notice when you were looking at the grades on the report card, what the classes were in? Uh And that was what really sparked my interest. And the fact is, He's a small business, he, it was, I mean, he's retired now, a small business owner. Um, I was extremely driven and oh. I still am. I mean, uh-huh. I'm, I still am, but I like to think of myself as a recovering perfectionist. Yes. And I'm a big believer in progress. And that means doing something I never used to do before, which is putting things out. And then I get very aggravated when someone like corrects a spelling error or something. I'm like, do you know what it took for me to put something out with a spelling Uh, error after uh, being, you know, 
fourth grade spelling bee, whatever. Okay, so this is our second book idea. I had an idea about recovering perfectionism as well. Right. The second book that we're going to work on is called The Recovering Perfectionist Guide to Productivity. That might be our first book. (laughs) Okay. I can really see how we could be writing that right away. (laughs) Yeah, it's a... you know, sometimes I think about, hmm, I really gravitate towards women, working with women, right. struggling with a sense of overachieving and perfectionism. So sometimes I wonder, should I just specialize in that demographic? Because we really connect. I find mostly most of my clients are women and I adore men. And I'm not quite sure why that is, if they're just in a different mindset or if they're just not in the circles I'm in right now. I would never turn away a man because I, I love men. I mean, I worked in Wall Street. I clearly uh, worked with men and a lot of my design clients were men. So super fun uh, folks to work with. I think probably it has to do with my messaging because in embracing my feminine, I talk more like a female now. <laughs> but I don't know. It'd be interesting to figure that out. Um, now, that kind of leads into the next thing, which is that whole bright, shiny object syndrome. And I'm thinking about that. I'm like, huh, we could go squirrel right down the uh, old tree hole on this one and, and just talk about that. So Let's not. Let's talk about uh, shiny object syndrome. Shiny object syndrome and how easy it is for some of us who are highly creative, who love thinking about the next thing, to create 8% of something and never complete the last 20%, so we never put it out in the world. Yeah, I see it as a part of the, one of the causes is fear of missing out. Mm, FOMO. FOMO, fear of missing out, yeah. That, that's why creatives love opportunities, love opportunities to dabble and try new things, and what about this, and what about that, because you know they're so creative. Uh, part of it, I think, stems from fear of missing out. Because if mm-hmm. I say no to something, it's never going to come back, perhaps. Right. Well, you read about that in Elizabeth Gilbert's The Big Magic. She says that if you don't grab onto an idea uh, in its time, that someone else will run with it. And I agree and I don't agree. I think sometimes that is the case and it goes on to someone else. And sometimes it's just that that idea, it isn't its time yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, how I use David Allen's work for shiny object syndrome is a list of someday, a list that's just called someday. Right. And I have that too. You did? Yeah. And I've recently heard that called, and I don't know who used the term, so my apologies if this person is listening, called the incubator. Uh-huh. Yep. And I love that name, the incubator. It's just and parked somewhere else so that sure. it frees your mind from trying to think about that. So yes. how do we describe this? It's like if you, if you put those ideas that are for someday down somewhere, yep. written or yep. typed, then that Captured. frees your mind to focus on whatever you're dealing with in the yep. now. Yep, yep, yep. David Allen says um, your mind is for having ideas and not for holding ideas. Right. So, so don't use your mind as a file cabinet because mm. it's going to keep reminding you, oh, remember that? Oh, remember that idea? Oh, remember that? Did you do that? Uh, uh. So it needs a capture system like that incubation right. someday list. A safe place so that 
our minds can relax and say, oh, she got that. She remembers. Okay. She didn't forget. I don't have to remind her. Well, so I have to, at the end of the day, write down tomorrow, because what will happen is I will wake up at 3 a.m., and I will start obsessing, very rare, but once in a blue moon, I forget to write some things down the night before, and at 3 a.m., I wake up, and I will literally not go to sleep until I have have my iPad in the bathroom, so it's not my bedroom, and I'll get on there, and I literally just throw the tasks, anything I'm thinking of, out of my head, brain dump. Yep. Right into that so that I don't lose them and I'll sleep like a rock the rest of the night. Oh, I know. It's a great habit at the end of the day to write those things down and not, not, you know, just think you're going to remember them tomorrow. You aren't. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I think we can hold maybe three to five ideas. And by the way, I think you're younger than I am. Uh, As you age, that number goes down. It's anywhere from three to nine, but at my age, it's like three to five. <laughs> sure. uh, I have a stack of post-its on my nightstand as well, because my best ideas come right before I fall asleep. Yeah. And every night I think, that's a great idea. I'm going to remember it. I'm going to remember it. So you're bringing up a really important point, and this is why I walk. And I used to never walk with a phone, but now I do. And the reason I walk with a phone now is I do my voice into them, because what happens I record notes yeah. by speaking. Uh, I didn't say that very well. Because what happens is, is as we get into our bodies and out of our heads, and that's uh-huh. what you're doing is you're falling asleep, Yeah, it frees up space uh-huh. for our brain to sort of make these connections and, and to think about things. You know, our brain is like regenerating while we're sleeping. I'm not using any technical terms here. And so when I'm walking, what happens is I'm out of my brain, which is always going a million miles per minute, and in my body, and suddenly I'll be writing an entire podcast while I'm walking and I'm going, oh, but this is so brilliant. I'm never going to remember it. You know, the sort of woe is me moment. So now I do actually walk with my phone, which is usually on um, a meditation, like a walking meditation kind of thing in the background. So okay. it's not like I'm talking with a friend on the phone. Right. Actually. So you record something and then do you have to type it out later or something? No, you can actually on iPhone, I don't know if you can do this on other phones, you can use voice activation in notes and it types it for you. Oh. I, it's not perfect. It's, yeah. it, it's okay. not very pretty. But, yeah. you know, you have to remember to say things like period, new line, Got uh, it. Things like that. But it's, you know what, if you're just trying to capture some ideas yeah. so you don't lose yeah. them, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. a great, uh, to me, it's a great productivity tool. For sure. It works it's really like, well you know, when for you me. You go to networking events, you know, we go to net, when we used to go to networking events uh, and we meet somebody <laughs> and we say, oh, I have a great book that um, I think you really like. Let me send it to you. And then we don't write it down and then we don't send it to that person. That could be a great way to just put a little voice memo and say, send Catherine that book. Right. And there's also um, Remember the Milk, which is a nifty little app you can use that reminds you to do something. So you could actually put it into Remember the Milk. And let's say you're at the conference on today's Wednesday when we're recording this, and you know that you're not going to get back from the conference till Friday. You can put it into Remember the Milk and say to remind you on Friday. Oh, okay. That's great. Isn't that fabulous? I I didn't know that app. Remember the Milk. Cool. Great. So last night, as I was falling asleep, these are the three post-its. These ideas came to me. That's a lot All of the ideas, time. Beauty. All the time. So grateful that my mind is just 
choo, choo. Like, I just need to capture it in a safe place. Absolutely. I love it. So talk to us about team huddle time. I love this concept. I also like how much fun you have with words when you're creating your programs. Okay, so you majored in English as well, right? Mm-hmm. But I never seem to come up with really creative program names. Or they're too creative and people don't know what they are. So like the one I'm doing now, which is called Working From Home Productively. Okay. okay. Not a okay. very exciting title. Okay. I originally was going to say for the good of the realm and nobody else got that. For the good it's of like the we're realm? like working from home for the good of the realm. I thought it was so clever and cute, but apparently no one would understand. <laughs> I didn't get that for the good of the realm. Well, you know, it's a sort of a reference to, um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. So it's kind of a reference to what would be things we would do to perpetuate a kingdom for the good of the realm. (laughs) Okay. Dungeons, dragons, I don't know. Okay, team huddle time came out of the first week of quarantine when I thought, okay, we're all going to be at home. Schedules are topsy-turvy. I, I think my folks might find it helpful. I, this is an idea I wanted to try a while ago, but I never had the opportunity. Just, I, I just put out a test. Two weeks, everybody will get on Zoom, 25 minutes in the morning, 25 minutes. Just tell us, what are your top three priorities for the day? Just do it for two weeks and see how it goes. Well received. They wanted to continue. I was going to end it. Nice. That first group, I was going to end it like, okay, great. Talk to you later. Oh, but they wanted to continue. So this is our, I don't know, ninth week. That's great. And, and do you find that you're going to have, I, as we're sort of going back to reality, because they're just starting, starting to loosen some restrictions in here in Connecticut, do you find it's going to be kind of a struggle for you? Like, I feel like I'm the person who likes that freedom of doing something different every day. Oh. And, and one of the things that's happened is here I'm running this group that meets twice a week and I've got all these different other things going on. And it's been very easy while we've been in quarantine because we're just home. Oh. But, you know, now part of me wants to leave and do something out there in the world. And suddenly now, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm going to have to be home to run oh, that program. I know. So you're doing this five mornings a week. I know. Do you feel any like? There are some things know, I miss out on. Yeah, there's some uh, meetings, some, yeah, I miss out. I completely miss out. And that's gotcha. okay, because I'm going to miss out. The program is impo- more important to me to, su- to give the support to the people in it. Uh, it's really helpful. And it's so simple. Right. You just get on Zoom and tell me what your top three goals are for the day. That's it. Right. And 25 minutes, and there's like seven people, and we just go around. But the people need that accountability. And I think what's really important, and you've brought it up indirectly, and it's where I had to get to, is when we're in service to our clients, the rest of everything else drops away. Mm. Because we know that we've got that secret sauce that will help them have an amazing day or an amazing week. In the case of my program, yours is a day-to-day. And when you know that, that you have this gift you can share to help others, Anything else just sort of becomes, and I'm not setting aside family, spirituality, those kinds of things. Yeah. When it comes to our business world, the minute we know we're offering our secret sauce and that gift that we're meant to share with the world because we're passionate about it, 
the rest of it's minor league. And it's like, okay, I can catch a recording of that. It's not as important as servicing the people who have decided to work with me. And it's so fabulous that it's easy for me. I don't have to prepare anything. Uh, we talk about whatever comes up for them that day. Right. Uh, I, I, it's hard for me to put, uh, to put it into words because it's hard to look at ourselves, you know, from within, right? Right. Uh, I think one person appreciates the gentle nudges just gentle nudges. I think we all need accountability. And that's what you're providing, Judy. A safe place for people to say, I want you to be here to make sure I do this. And you know the biggest benef- who's the bis- biggest beneficiary of this? Going to say you? Yes! Oh my <gasps> awesome! God! Because it gets me up. Right. And dressed and, you know. Going. Versus, I, I, I'd, I'd still be in bed. If it wasn't for this group. Interesting. I'm the biggest beneficiary. <laughs> it's incredible. Just don't tell them they're paying you. <laughs> Only between us. <laughs> uh, my, 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 you were, you're going to ask me my favorite productivity app, right? That is correct. Your A number one favorite. Okay, here we go. It's an analog thing. It is, if you're watching the video, it's a time timer. And how it works is I set it to... If you know the Pomodoro technique, right, my favorite use it for that 25 minutes and this red color piece just slowly disappears and it doesn't click. So it doesn't have that annoying sound, uh, which is huge. So I used to use, I, I used to, my office used to be near the kitchen. So I used to use my oven timer. Right. You know, to, well, that buzzer would have driven me off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about the kitchen, the, the timer in my oven is that I never, I didn't know like how much time I had left. Like, Oh, right. "Ah." But this, I can see visually. Right. And we were talking about that before we hopped on here about how important it is that we've lost sight of analog. And so when we're looking at clocks, digital clocks give us no sense of the passing of time. It's only the present moment. Uh And I love that it just so happens that the, here I am studying this in the last 24 hours and you show a timer. And I, I'm a big believer in the Pomodoro method. In fact, it's one of the things we do. I have a productivity power hour where we do two Pomodoro segments. So sort of five minutes at the beginning where we talk about what are your goals, 25 minute work segment, five minute break to see how people did 25 minute work segment, and then a five minute wrap up. And so it really is a little more than an hour. It's a productivity power hour and 10 minutes. (laughs) It's like co-working. Yeah, and it's Whoa. amazing what people get done, and, and it's a wonderful way to be held accountable because sure. everyone's going to notice if you're off you know, making lunch oh, instead yeah, yeah, of yeah. getting something done. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess you could lie and say you got something done and you didn't, but why would you, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I've wanted to start that kind of program myself. So, whoa, awesome. It is so fun and it's so amazing. And I know a couple of people who are running things like this. I'm not alone in this. They're running them different ways. Okay. Uh, and I would, I would advise people if they're looking at Pomodoro, your 25 minutes might be 15 or 30. Right. I, I know some people who they think it's 45. And the beauty of that analog timer you were showing us is that you can yeah. set it to what you want it to be. Yeah. For, for instance, when I'm checking email or on social media, I'll set it for 20 minutes. 
Nice. But then when I'm writing something or do some, doing something deep work, I set it for 50. Wow. Five zero. Yeah. So I, I vary it depending on the type. See, of I'm task. too squirrely. I can't sit for 50 minutes straight. Right. I need to so get you up. You do 25. Do 25, but then I do exactly. another 25. I, I take a five minute stretching, walking around break, yeah. and then I come right back to it and hit it, hit it again for another 25. Exactly. So what's taking you 50 takes me 55. Not good or bad, just yeah. different styles yeah. and how we work. Exactly. And the great thing about working with a productivity coach is to know how it works for a particular person, for you, so that you're not trying to fit square peg, round hole, right? Right. There are tons of, tons of tools, tons of apps out there. It's just a matter of which one, trying it out little different ones and which ones work for you. Right. And if people didn't want to do that particular timer, there is something called tomato dash timer, which is completely free and is the 25 minute Pomodoro method online for free. Ah. So if you were, if you were more of a technology digital world kind of person, that's an option for you. I am really leaning towards going back towards an analog clock. I think I've lost sense of the passing of time and having studied this and saying, wow, ding, 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 you know, this really resonates with me. So getting a clock for your desk? Yep. And that's easy. There's probably one lying around this house. Probably. Right? I mean, we all have clocks. They're, They're floating around. Yeah, 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 for sure. So tell me, do you, do you, are you feeling, uh, pressure to like work more because you're at home? So I've always worked from home for the last 10 plus years. But the answer weirdly is yes. And I want to call it pressure. I think it's a, you know, I've gained an extra half hour, 45 minutes in the morning because my kiddo is uh, not having to take the bus. So we're not doing the whole get in your uniform. Here's money for lunch. Don't miss the bus, you know, and, and, and yes, she's a ninth grader, so I don't have to do a ton, but still it's kind of nice. Uh, I would say some mornings I use that time so that I can finish up a little earlier. Other mornings I actually enjoy hanging out and resting in the morning in bed and not rushing to get up. But for me, you know, getting up late is eight. So (laughs) what are your work hours? My, my, it depends on the day. I like to be done each day by four o'clock. Uh-huh. Today, I won't be done till 5.30. And do you, how, how, how long do you take for lunch breaks and stuff? Okay, so I'm that person who doesn't take her own advice and I usually eat lunch right at my desk. That's all right. You which know Which is that. not ideal. Um, today, I took my lunch and my laptop. I was on a, a meeting where I could do this, where it wasn't like me having to participate every minute. Yeah. It was more of a listening kind of meeting. Um, and I took it out on the back patio. We have a beautiful table and an umbrella and I took the laptop out there and I ate lunch out there while I watched that. And that's typical for me for lunch. So lunch is usually, I, I kind of do lunch and learn. Yeah, got it. I I do a lunch and learn. I, uh, maybe I'm taking an Institute for challenging disorganization class and I do that during lunch, but I rarely just sort of sit and have lunch with doing nothing. It's just not really... Very, how I roll. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very challenging. for. And that was always time. my habit, by the way. That's not yeah, okay. My challenge is not getting back on the computer after dinner. Oh, meaning you, sh- you do right now and you wish you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay, see, I, I never get back on the computer after dinner. 
really. I just don't. And so there are these networking meetings that start at seven o'clock at night. And by seven o'clock at night, I'm a fry case. I'm done. But remember, I'm up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. So I've put in a full work day by like four. I've done my exercise. We've made dinner. And then that's my time. And I really cherish that time. I do tend to put in a couple hours on Saturday morning, very yeah. early before mm -hmm. the day kind of starts. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind doing that. What happened during this pandemic is that I got to the point where I was working seven days a week. Yes. And that yes. is not healthy. So that stopped. Oh, yeah. Uh, it had to. I really yeah. could feel the del deleterious effects on my health. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I got to walk my walk. I say that you got to take a day off minimum. And so now I'm back to two hours on Saturday morning and that's it. Got it. No other okay. work. And I shut the door on my office. I don't come in here. I do oh. have my phone. I can see an email. I'm not saying I never respond to an email. Uh -huh. I'm just uh -huh. saying it's not my priority. Uh-huh. Do you have squirrel mind with social media? You mean like, can I suck right down the rabbit hole? Oh, you bet. Got it. Are you, which, which app do you use most? I, I'd say I'm mostly on Facebook. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm much more on LinkedIn than I used to be. I'm doing better with that, with getting more on there conscientiously. Uh, one of the things I did at the very start of this was I made the decision that I was only going to take in X amount of information per day. And so oh. I allow myself 45 minutes if I'm not jumping right up to work, and it depends on the morning. I allow myself 45 minutes to read the news and do some Facebook stuff and, and sort of chill out. And it doesn't, um, but that's it, 45 minutes. That's it. Okay. I don't watch news at night. I can't. It will just really drain me. It's, got it. it's not a good influence. So, yeah, so that's your quote so, of information. So we each need to create our own boundaries in, in time and news information so that we're not getting overwhelmed. Because it's very easy. At the beginning, when this all first started, I would say I could read the news for two hours and be completely sucked in and not. And I said, oh, no, this is not, not healthy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all about the pandemic all the time, right? Right. So yeah. tell people how they can find you. Okay, I'm going to put something up for those people watching a video. How about that? Avid at work. At work, yeah. That's the URL, avidatwork.com. That's right. the best place. And with avid at work, I'm curious, dot com, how did you come up? Is avid an acronym or is it just being avid? Yeah, I was, I had like uh, 300 names in the hopper, like, you know, just all sorts of ideas. And I really gravitated towards enthusiasm, right? enjoyment. And one of my uh, analogies is, uh, you know, your hair's on fire. There's like, there's so many things I want to do and create and contribute. Like my hair is on fire. I, right want to do all these things so i think avid is one of those very positive productivity words and i like that and it's at the beginning of the alphabet Ooh, that's a plus smart lady uh, it gets by you i have to tell you except uh, for that one a minus nothing gets by you <laughs> oh i was always striving for the a minus <laughs> yeah that's uh, debilitating i can imagine anyway folks Judy Dang, who clearly uh, we could do this all over again and have 200 other things to talk about. 
from avidentwork.com. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. So grateful to you. So fun. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.